1: Andy Jacob here with the dot com magazine entrepreneur spotlight series. We have a very special show today, you know, a very important show. Uh, We've been able to get Mr. Jay Cormier, the president and CEO of Idaptic, on the show, and it's a very fascinating story. Jay is a very experienced technological executive. Uh, He's an entrepreneur. He has a strong track record in so many things. He's founded and has grown businesses. He's completed several successful exits, uh, totaling, I think, over $750 million. So he really knows how to do it. He knows how to build a company. He knows what technology is all about. And what he's tapped into is something very important. And it's very important to me and very important to the world because over two hundred and 50 million people are affected by retinal disease globally. And he's been able to put together a a wonderful program, a wonderful wearable uh, that he calls IDAPTIC. And we're going to get into it a little bit, but Jay, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you very much for having me, Andy. It's super great to have you. You're a very successful entrepreneur, and now you're You're really helping so many people in the world with IDAPTIC, so let's pull the lens back to 30,000 feet and tell us about IDAPTIC from that level. Sure, well, at the most
0: high level, uh, as you pointed out, lots of people have retinal disease. One of the leading causes of retinal disease is age-related macular degeneration. And the big problem with that is uh, it affects your central vision. Uh, And there is no cure therapy for 90% of AMD, which is dry AMD. So we're all about providing a visual aid that's wearable, just like a pair of glasses, uh, that can really help not only enhance the vision, but also restore independence for the people with macular degeneration.
1: That makes all the sense in the world. It's so important. It's a smart eyewear with your proprietary software that instantly enhances vision. It's very, very interesting. It's non-invasive. It's state of the art. It's, I believe, visual assistant AR. Am I correct in that? Yeah, that, that's exactly
0: the way to say it. Um, just like, in, in essence, hearing aids, there's a visual aid category, very similar. Uh, and the point is, is to put it on and get that benefit right away. Uh, and instead of uh, trying to use other aids like uh, maybe electronic handheld magnifier or a big CCTV things that just are not either portable or mobile or not something you're just going to have with you. We're trying to make this a natural
1: viewing experience. That's awesome, Jay. And this this wearable technology uh, simulates natural vision. It optimizes peripheral vision, which I don't know how how you could actually live without peripheral vision. I mean, it seems so important. I would imagine when people try the technology on, it's life-changing.
0: Well, it is. And and I'm really glad you brought up the peripheral vision point, right? Because with macular degeneration, um, you are losing your central vision, but you're always retaining your peripheral vision. And you are absolutely correct. Peripheral vision is every bit as important as central vision, especially for mobility and many other tasks. And we tend to forget that because it's just there and we're relying on it. So really what we're doing with our glasses, and these are, I'll put them on just so you can see them. These are just like glasses. You are retaining your full peripheral vision and we're optimizing that. And, you know, some people have tried to do this with virtual reality and it's just not the same because that fundamentally is immersive and takes away your peripheral vision.
1: That's so interesting. It's really a best in class solution to optimize your customer's field of vision. Let's talk about it just a little bit, Jay, because when it started, when when Idaptic started, what was the thought behind it? Was it just that you saw a big problem and you wanted to fulfill a need or how did it all get started? Take us inside this very fascinating journey. Sure. So, um,
0: as you pointed out, I have a deep technology background. I had had some successful exits. I was trying partial retirement, which turns out I was really bad at. Um, But my grandmother had macular degeneration. And I was playing around with augmented reality in a completely different use case and setting and started wondering, you know, could two and two come up to be more than four? So, that's how we kind of got started on the journey. Myself, my CTO with another uh, person with deep tech background. But it was very clear, although we had technology background, we did not necessarily understand the medical side of it. So we went out to get some medical advisors. And some days I say that was the best day of the founding of the company because we got a couple of medical advisors that really turned into be co-founders. They were both retina specialists, so certified ophthalmologists, specializing in the retina. So they understood very well what macular degeneration was. But the interesting thing was they had undergraduates in technology. One was a programmer from MIT and another a mechanical engineer from Columbia. So what we saw real quickly is that helped bridge that gap. And what that enabled us to do is they would bring in their patients on the weekend. We could try on our technology on them and learn very quickly what was most impactful?
1: That's incredible. So what a what a great story. You know, you had someone in your own family that had this had this uh, this degeneration, this macular degeneration, and of course that that you know resonated with you. And then you knew that so many people also have this this affliction. I guess it would be called, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, at this point, Jay. So you have so many. I experts on your website that are just talking about how this has been a life-changing event for their clients. So let's talk about that a little bit. When you're an entrepreneur that's really sort of in the, I guess in the health field, helping people's health, what's that feel like waking up in the morning as an entrepreneur, knowing that, you know, you won't, that you're going to be changing so many lives and that your future technology that's probably on the board right now will also continue to help improve people's right. lives.
0: Well, it's it certainly, we all know, um, we hear the stories of entrepreneurship, and it is a real roller coaster sometimes, right? It, it's really uh, pretty much solving problems one day after another. And although that's very invigorating, it can also be exhausting. And there's ups and downs with that. And knowing that you're helping someone and seeing that impact is really, you know, helps keep you going, helps keep the team going and really helps you keep focused on the long-term objective. It's the real truth that you're seeking as part of the business. And we just had a lady come in a few weeks ago. Um, she was, uh, well, she's 90 years old. She has AMD. Unfortunately, it's very, very severe. So one eye is completely um, Un, not functional for other reasons, and the eye with macular degeneration, she has 2800 vision. So just for you know comparison, we put on glasses, we correct our vision to get to 2020. When someone gets to about 2070, that's considered the low vision category. And that's really where you get to 2070 is really uncorrectable, if you will. and that's where people can start using our technology to their benefit and really make a big impact. But that keeps progressing, and that progresses to 2200. 2200 is considered legally blind, okay? Even if you have some peripheral vision, you can still be legally blind. AMD keeps progressing. There's many people out there at 2400. At 2400, for the most part, the doctors stop measuring. 2400 is kind of what they call count fingers. After that, they're just holding up fingers and say, can you see them? This lady was 20 or is 2,800 in her good eye. She put on our glasses. She was able to watch TV again. She saw her grandkids faces. It was, it just brought tears to everyone's eyes. And that's what keeps you going, especially in a startup.
1: I love it. That's absolutely incredible. What a beautiful story, Jay. And, you know, for people watching the show you know, there's so much that we take for granted sometimes. And when you hear a story like this and you hear about all the people that get this age-related macular degeneration, it really causes a devastation of their vision. It causes vision loss that really is caused by retinal disease. And it puts them in a position where, for example, Jay mentioned, this person could not see their grandkids, but they put on this adaptive wearable, And there they are, they can see their grandkids again. It must have been just an amazing, amazing experience. Jay, let's let's turn the conversation a little bit to the nuts and bolts because I'm very curious about the supply chain. How does the iDaptic wearables get into the hands of the people that wear them?
0: Right. So that's a a great question, Andy. Certainly from an operations standpoint, uh, I should point out we are primarily a software company. And we are using the best augmented reality hardware out there. So certainly the first part of that supply chain is sourcing the best AR glasses, okay? And so when those AR glasses, after we vet them, after we qualify them, uh, and it can't be just any AR glasses, they do need to have good enough displays, they do need to have good enough camera quality to meet what we need to do medically, if you will. Uh, But after we bring those glasses up, Uh, and we bring them in the factory. We're then loading them with our proprietary software, and we sell that as a solution, okay? Now, some of that we do directly because, again, our local doctors refer a lot of patients, of their patients to us, and we can sell directly to those patients. But obviously, as as an entrepreneur and a small company, you need to think about scaling. And so how do we reach those patients across the U.S., and across the globe for that matter is really the next challenges. So what we did about a year ago is form a partnership with a company called Vispero. Vispero is the world leader in low vision aids and they don't have a good wearable. So that's why they were interested in working with us. Uh, And they make a lot of other visual aids but nothing that's wearable. And so we uh, struck that partnership in order to, uh, in the beginning gain access to the U.S. market So now we virtually have another couple dozen sales reps on the street that are trained on the iDaptic product, as well as a dealer network of over 50 dealers across the U.S. So this enables us to do what I think is very critical, which is to be able to give a user a demo. And then, you know, then they can buy directly from that dealer, for
1: instance. That's very interesting. And obviously, you know, this this degenerative disease, the macular degeneration has a number of causes. And pardon me for if I maybe garbled the, the, the name a little bit. No, no, but good. Macular degeneration, AMD. It appears to me from doing the research prior to this interview today that diabetes may be a cause of this as people uh, get older. And Diabetes is so prevalent that I would imagine that the need for the idaptic experience is unfortunately going to become much more necessary as as people start aging and getting into that AMD sort of spot for their age category. Is that right? That's absolutely correct.
0: AMD was really uh, what I would call our initial beachhead because that was the largest unmet need. Um, but right behind that, you are correct, You know, maybe there's a roughly 180 million people worldwide with AMD, there's still another 100 million worldwide with some sort of diabetic-related eye disease, which also affects the, the retina and the macula. So um, we certainly have seen a few of those patients and seen it help those patients. We've also seen it help people with glaucoma. Uh, and there's a variety of other low vision And uh, certainly we are not limited to just macular degeneration, but that's where we did our initial clinical studies. That's where we have the most experience. And then we're going to expand from there.
1: It's very interesting, Jay, and congratulations on what you're doing. When I think about it, I I would think that there are different, like you mentioned, the woman who you helped who could see her grandchildren, you know, her vision was 2,800, 2,800. So we're gonna have people that have 2,600 and 2,400 and 2,200, et cetera. So does your system and software uh, have an ability for the person to adjust it to their particular level? How does all that work? Yeah,
0: so that's a really good point. Um, I would say there's two things. We do have multiple products, right? So I I look at this is, you are absolutely right, is not one size fits all, okay? So we do have different hardware platforms for different states of the disease. But most importantly, our software is adaptive, okay? And it's adaptive in several different ways. But because although someone may have macular degeneration and then someone else might have macular degeneration, how that progresses, how that affects their eyes is not uniform. So it's very important that the software is customizable to that person. Uh, That's why we took that software approach. We knew it was not gonna be one size fits all. So, but the adaptive ability of our glasses and hence where the name Adapted came from goes just beyond adapting to the person's vision, okay? It also comes down to adapting to their habits and environment because it's very important for a visual aid, you know, there's really three things for a visual aid to be successful. Yes, it has to help their vision, number one. But number two, is it comfortable? If they're not, if it's not comfortable and they don't wear it, doesn't matter sometimes how Useful it is. And number three, is it easy to use? And user interface is critical. And we do spend a fair amount of time not only on the user interface, but the software around that user interface that's adaptive. So we do use uh, machine learning algorithms to help adapt to the environment and their habits. So it is a much more natural viewing experience. And in some cases, we have people that go to the store. They never touch a button. They look at signs. They look at prices. They navigate the aisles. And it's all happening autonomously.
1: That's fascinating. Wow, that is really, really interesting. Well thought out. The strategy seems to make all the sense in the world. You know the three things that are necessary for people to adopt something. And you've solved all three of those particular challenges, as you have mentioned. So that's really, really great. Can you imagine... A time when idaptic might be able to help other diseases besides what we're talking about
0: right now? Sure. So, there's other retinal diseases, for instance, like um, macular pucker. Okay. This is more of a scarring of the retina. And what that uh, manifests itself as is actually a distortion of your vision. So, your vision's still there. You still have that central vision, but it's distorted. So, what you're looking at. Is not clear. It's wavy, uh, and you know this can impact another hundred million people worldwide, actually. And so, really, the only way to do anything about macular pucker is retinal surgery. Now, think about that. Retinal surgery is uh, operating on the back of the eyeball, and that's what our co-founders do and our advisors do every day of the week. But in the end. Uh, As one of our advisors, Dr. Cooperman says, who's uh, one of the leading retina specialists in the world, he goes, I only recommend surgery to a small percentage of my patients because the risks outweigh the benefits. Well, now imagine if you could put on the glasses and it would effectively cancel that distortion. We already have patents in this area, and this is some of the stuff we're looking at in the future to work on as well.
1: Very interesting, Jane. you obviously have a number of world-class advisors and people on the board that are helping with this. How important is the team? I know that you've got a great entrepreneurial background and you've done some amazing deals and work with some amazing companies and have had amazing companies yourself. How important is the team, the concept of having a great team in your world, Jay? How important is that? Well, we hear it a lot and it is absolutely true.
0: It is all about the team. Certainly uh, doing it by yourself is not practical, it's not feasible, and it really doesn't help problem solving, right? Because if you only have one person or for that matter, a a line of thinking that is sort of monolithic, then it's very uh, hard to solve hard problems. And to get that diversity of thought is incredibly important. We hear a lot about diversity and inclusion today. That's part of it, but part of it is that diversity of thought, right? Uh, you want to approach problems from different directions. So that's all comes back to the team. And that's why you know we really worked hard to have not only people with strong technology backgrounds but also strong medical backgrounds, but not only ophthalmology, also optometry. And uh, we're always adding to that advisory board to help supplement that because there's always a new problem to solve.
1: That's very interesting, Jay. And obviously, you've taken your background in electrical engineering, as well as, you know, this MBA that you also received, and you've kind of combined business and technology together in a very, very interesting way that's really making a change in the world. So, when we think about IDAPTIC, Jay, when we think about where you're at today versus where you wanna be maybe three years out, is it is it a, a horizon that you're thinking about and, and where do you go from here with Idaptic? Yeah, so
0: I certainly am thinking about it. Some might accuse me of thinking too far ahead, but I, I think um, there's two ways or two main vectors I think about, and you kind of already touched on them, technology and business, right? From a technology standpoint, uh, we really built this company with the assumption that at some point augmented reality glasses do become more ubiquitous, right? And that although has been a long time coming, uh, we do believe it's getting, gonna get here. We see people like Apple working on it. When AR glasses become more ubiquitous, that do what we want, the whole differentiation, the whole value proposition is gonna be in the software. When that day comes, we are gonna be in the best position of anyone. So uh, from a, you know, is that three years out? Yeah, probably, maybe more, okay? Uh, But then from a business standpoint, we also look at it and say, are we solving a really important problem? And is that market big enough to scale into, to be, you know, basically a venture-backed company? And when I look at that, and also you ask yourself, is that business model practical? That's when I look at the analogy that I mentioned earlier, which is hearing aids. Right, Hearing aids, exactly the same reimbursement scheme, which is a direct consumer payable for the most part, exactly the same price points as we're talking about, same demographics, same market size. Hearing aids are an $8 billion market today and growing. So I look at that and I say, so why aren't visual aids a multi-billion dollar market? And the answer is, when you get the right product, it will be. Right. And so that always comes down to the execution and execution is here and now and today. But you got to know that when you solve those execution problems, there's a future. And I believe the future is not only bright that we're going to help a lot of people, but from a business standpoint, it's also massive.
1: That's awesome, Jay. And obviously the proprietary software is, is very, very awesome. I'm sure you're, you're improving on it all the time and that's really going to be the thing that separates you from the pack as you go forward. And that sounds like great leadership and very, very good out of the box thinking for me because you're really focusing on the software to make a change in people's lives. And this is a great example of technology changing the world. This is a great example of adaptive taking software And making the world a better place, bringing light into the world. You know, sometimes the world can be a dark place uh, for many different reasons, but using technology to change people's lives for the better. And that's really what technology is supposed to be all about. So, congratulations on that, Jay. That's really, really awesome. You know, thank you, Andy. Before we go today, and I know you only sliced out a certain amount of time for me, I wanted to talk about entrepreneurship because we do have some younger entrepreneurs that watch the show. And sometimes, you know, they're starting out and they don't have the experience that you have, uh, Jay, and they're maybe hitting an obstacle or maybe hitting a roadblock or a bump in the road. And, you know, maybe they're they're not as experienced and maybe they freak out a little bit. Maybe they don't know which way to go, which way to turn. Maybe they're questioning themselves. Maybe they want to quit. Maybe they don't know what to do. But you and I know as entrepreneurs, all entrepreneurs hit those roadblocks. Yeah. Maybe it's many times a year, maybe it's many times a day, you know? So, so for those entrepreneurs that are hitting a roadblock, what kind of advice can you give them based on your experience and background uh, that they can sort of lean on when they get into a tough time? Right, and, and certainly young or
0: old, it doesn't matter. I think the advice is the same, is get great mentorship, right? If you have someone that uh, you can trust to basically tell you the truth, right? Some of it's kind of h- helping, encouraging you to keep you going, but also you want a mentor that'll tell you the way it is because that's how you solve problems. And uh, it's very difficult if you're working in a vacuum or you know, as many lonely days as an entrepreneur, you really want to make sure you've got not maybe just one mentor, but several that have, a, again, a diversity of thought an opinion and experiences. And you want to go and, and get that, you know, input all the time if you can. Uh, obviously, you know, you don't want to wear out your welcome, but if you can find mentors that are as dedicated to your success as you are, then that makes all the difference in the world.
1: Well, Jay, that makes, that, that makes great sense. It really does. It's just so important to have mentors around you that you can lean on and advisors. And of course, surround yourself with the top talent in the world, which you've been able to do at IDAPTIC, and it's really, really remarkable. This software-driven company that's positioned very nicely today and even better positioned into the future for what you want to do. It's really incredible how many millions and millions, 250 million people are affected by this retinal disease globally, and there's millions and millions of other people affected by other retina diseases as well. And you really are the go-to solution for these people to change their life and change their world. Jay, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the dot-com magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. I just found it so fascinating what you were doing. And it's really awesome that you can combine business with technology, business with changing the world, business and technology to change the world. It's a beautiful story. And thank you for coming on the show.
0: Well, Andy, thanks so much for having me and and thanks for uh, hearing me out. And uh, this is just the beginning. There's lots more people that we're going to be helping.